If you didn't realize, Heart Not Life aspires to create evergreen content. Our episodes address overarching themes and events in hip-hop culture that have been relevant in the past and will be relevant in the future. But this is an especially tragic occasion. On March 31st, 2009, Nipsey Hussle, born Amias Ashkadam, was murdered outside of his clothing store on Slauson and Crenshaw in South L.A. He is survived by his two children, Imani and Cross, and significant other, Lauren London, as well as the entire city of Los Angeles. His set, The Rolling Sixties Crips, and all of hip-hop. We will be publishing an episode in the future that addresses the short-sighted, intellectually bankrupt, and downright lazy attacks from racist mainstream facets of America on the dignity and humanity of hip-hop. Notwithstanding the murder of Nipsey Hussle, which I believe to be an assassination, black-on-black crime is a dire issue in the United States, and so is the systemic and enduring racism that fosters it. Hip-hop exposes these two issues and triumphs in spite of them. Nipsey dedicated his life to this culture because of that fact. And in connecting to this episode, the LA Clippers started and ended the night of their latest game with impromptu tributes to Nipsey. It was a gesture that meant the world to both his fans and to the players. Numerous players on the Clippers rosters were friends with Hustle, including Montrose Harrell, Wilson Chandler, and Lou Williams. May Nipsey Hustle rest in power. Let's start the show. And we're back for another episode of Hard Knock Life, dedicated to the new core of hip-hop, the business, the brand, and the balance between authenticity and entertainment. Shout out to uh, the most authentic brand in the world. Authentic. Class material and why. Shout out to the big homie, Carlos. I just found out that he has issues with uh, the term OG. Uh, you'll find out more about that Word. on a new project that he has coming out. I was going to say he's got two new projects. So, you know. Yes. Eat With Me and Book of Rhymes. Yes. So, you know, you guys could check it out. Follow them on Twitter. Who produces those? Uh, me. That is our executive producer. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Let's, oh, hi. Let's start first. I'm first sorry. That was weird. I, I've never started it before. Hi, it's Mika. <laughs> I'm here. Yes, I am your host and moderator, Lion Goodman, the Lion of Bed-Stuy. But my co-host like to introduce himself. Yo, what up? My name is DK Marco. I'm New Jersey's juggernaut. How are you doing today? Uh, pro tip, massage your woman's feet or your man's feet, your partner's feet, when you come home from work without them even asking, no matter how sweaty they are. Just do it like once every other month and they'll really appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to add on to that to um, maybe take a shower. Or maybe. just wipe them down a little bit. Yeah. Like, don't, no, I don't no, want moist no. feet. Sometimes you just got to do it. That's not, wanna, point. that's not the point. Okay, that's not so, the point. Okay, so moist feet. Your, hi- your hygiene is the point. Their happiness is the point. I don't know if I feel comfortable. I think you can have both. I think you can have, I think hygiene and happiness, they can go together. Just Just do more unexpected, unexpected small things that are free for your spouse. Jesus washed other people's feet and plumbing wasn't even popping then. You better than Jesus? (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> well, that's one quote. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, before we continue our introductions, we are being a way more interactive on our social media. So check out HKL Podcast. Follow, share, all that good stuff. Yes. Yes, yes. please. And that snide but brilliant remark is from our uh, continued guest, Milton. How are you doing? I'm good. Hip hop, hip hop. Wow. It's real out here. You got a little interactive that time. I'm always interactive, sir. It's a new day. Yeah, select screen out now on all digital streaming platforms, and you can buy it on Bandcamp. Hashtag cancel Milton. Hashtag cancel Milton. And we, of course, have the most talented and stylish man in the world modern marvel <sighs> i'm gonna add i'm gonna add the sound bite yeah actually i'm just gonna use that as the sound bite forever now <laughs> we do break down the deals in the real the bars and the beef we connect echoes of the past with news of the present with predictions for the future and what better way to to discuss all those different facets of hip-hop by discussing its relationship with sports. I would probably say that hip-hop's relationship with sports is as old as the original tenets of hip-hop. Absolutely. DJ and rapping, graffiti and breakdancing. Yeah, even if you look at Sugar Hill Game, which commercially is seen as like kind of the first big commercial hit for hip-hop he says i'm a oh he he references like get getting a color tv so he can watch the knicks play basketball back when the knicks weren't trash Bas- so, basketball so the was the fifth element there. what'd you say basketball was the fifth element no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair and we we are going to delve into that but th- we are actually going to break this conversation up into two parts so stay tuned for the second part. Next week. Next yes. Week. This week we are going to discuss hip hop's relationship with sports in regards to the business and those relationships that they might have. So since hip hop was hip hop and people were making rhymes and lyrics and we're talking about things going on in their world and trying to be as New York as possible, part of doing that is repping where you're from a big part of where they're from is the sports culture like sports teams have tricked the masses into to fusing uh identity with their sports teams that's why it's like yo i'm a i was born and raised in new jersey i'm a new jersey nets fan like i actually was a little sad when they moved from the new jersey and moved to brooklyn because that was the only thing that had the, the word like new jersey on it except for the hockey team and even now, like, I identify with the hockey team, but once again, it's hockey. Like, that's not something I, I imagine myself playing ever. But there's still a sense of identity and pride. It's like, if I want to wear something that has my state on it, then I can go buy, like, some sports memorabilia. The same thing happened with hip-hop. Um, whether it's people making cameos and videos, whether it's NWA popularizing hockey jerseys somehow in California, uh, you can see, uh, you can see how... Uh, hip hop has been intertwined with sports and how they've helped move the needle in sports. Like, people weren't rocking Raiders gear super hard until once again NWA was buying it and rocking it super hard. And it became 
like something that was cool, you know? And same thing with Jay-Z and the Yankee fitted. Now, the Yankees are, it historically been the biggest bas- baseball team um, in MLB history. But at the same time, they probably have tendrils in the urban market outside of New York that would not exist if it wasn't for Jay-Z always wearing a Yankee hat and always saying, and saying the line, I'll make a Yankee hat more famous than a Yankee can. So no matter what, hip-hop has helped elevate or elevate elevate and like put a spotlight on sports and vice versa sometimes sports will give like hip-hop a platform um that it might not have had before and we can see that this year in the sharp contrast between the super bowl and nba all-star weekend which are usually like a week apart like they had the super bowl in atlanta georgia and the best they could do was muster up travis scott who's from houston and big boy gave big boy 30 seconds during a halftime show when atlanta's hip-hop scene is super dominant across the charts right now and they easily could have found someone palatable for the masses as opposed to the NBA All-Star All-Star game where they had J. Cole do the halftime show a wonderful halftime show that you can find everywhere on YouTube across multiple platforms that has multiple millions of views and they allowed J. Cole to just do his set and his set was poignant and it had songs that were talking about really deep issues and then songs that were more like party songs but they gave him that space and that breath to do so and you can see how like on that platform and on that stage like what what the difference is in demographics and how embracing hip-hop within a sports setting can be like very can be very good and can help business on both ends yeah we're definitely going to get into the differences between the super bowl halftime show and the all the nba all-star uh, halftime show uh, next week uh, but uh, keeping with bringing it back to really the business and we say that you know there's a relationship between sports and and hip-hop uh, I would say that business pretty much unites the two would you say that businesses are basically still making money off of our bodies you would say that, you know, there's the rappers and their their art and then there's the athletes and their uh and their you know, their athleticism. Um yeah. I mean while there are definite injustices within uh the player owner dynamic in all sports, uh it's not always so sinister as saying it like that sounds. <laughs> um but I do think, like, I guess the business end, you could say that there are a lot of people that are putting money up um, that don't look like the athletes that they're promoting and making money off of. Uh, and hence, that's why there have been a lot of labor disputes between different professional uh, sports leagues and why there's always this debate about the NCAA and the big two sports, football and, ba- and basketball, whether or not they should pay their players. Um and yeah, I mean, you you do raise a good you do raise a good point. Um, it's hard to it's hard to enjoy the NFL when uh, the people that support the business are also supporting um, a government and social institutions that are uh, oppressing the people that predominantly make up their workforce, um, whether actually on the court or working in the stadiums and working concessions and stuff like that. It was it was a question that I posed. I think yeah. I I do think that there is something in there, and that as hip hop 
has grown in, pro- in prominence, I don't think that there is any surprise that you've seen athletes taking more ownership of their careers them- in themselves in these leagues. Some of somebody that comes to mind immediately, uh, well, two people that come into mind, I want to go back to Allen Iverson. And Allen Iverson was basically taking the style from the streets, from his community, and from hip hop, and putting it on Front Street. And he, there was immediate responses from David Stern, the commissioner at the time. And that was one of the reasons why people, there's always a lot of reasons to hate David Stern, but there was that immediate backlash from the NBA and forcing players to wear suits uh, when they weren't playing and they were on uh, the sidelines. Uh, And so I do believe that, you know, as rap has come into prominence, it has empowered, well, as the business of rap has grown it has also empowered athletes to take ownership of their careers now i agree to your specific point talking about the the nba dress code i think that's more of a response to the malice in the palace where our good buddy ron artest now met a world peace um was had to do a fan threw a beer at him and that fan promptly got his just desserts actually the dude next to him got punched the dude that threw the beard looked terrified and ran away like a little uh, scared person. Wait, the the person that threw the bear didn't get hit. So what happened? Yeah, the so so Ron Artest got into a fight on the court. He, being Ron Artest, decided to lay down on the scores table. He was not at his home arena, and someone threw a bear and it hit him square in the chest. Ron Artest is from Queensbridge, so he ran into the stands to go find the person that threw the bear. He, it came out later that he just. He like asked, he hit the person that was next to the dude that threw it in the case of mistaken identity. Um, and he got, so he thrashed that dude. When people started coming at Ron, uh, your boy Steven Jackson then followed him into the stands to go brawl. Then some fans came on the court and Jermaine O'Neal decided to like smack fire out this dude's life. And the only thing that saved him was that he slipped, Jermaine O'Neal slipped at the last second because. Jermaine O'Neal was what, like 6'10? And the the depths from Hades that he pulled the punch from <laughs> that he was about to land on his dude's Son, face. that was a falcon punch. <laughs> he was going to kill that man. He was going to kill <laughs> that man. That would have been a Smash Brothers and <laughs> he might have got knocked off the board completely, though. <laughs> off the planet, off this plane of existence. We would have knocked into the background. We would have absolutely <laughs> bore witness to a snuff film the way that man cocked that. But, but that speaks to a larger, like it kind of speaks to a larger issue that the league was having at the time, where uh, Michael Jordan had retired, and uh, hip hop was like heavily influencing. Um, heavily influencing the league and there was no like all and out star to take up the mantle that Michael Jordan left so people were gravitating toward people like Allen Iverson which were counterculture um and he was the first and I will see he was one wearing braids having heavy jewelry clothes double XL everything when he's reportedly like five eight five nine and he took he captured the imagination of an entire generation the other thing to keep in mind too is that this is the height of 
like and one mixtape tours and entertainers uh, entertaining basketball classic and a rucker where everybody's fascinated by street ball street culture like there was street hoops freaking um nba put out like ankle breakers and stuff like that hosted by uh stefan marbury so this is a weird point in the league and the malice at the palace uh brought everything to a crescendo and they felt like they i feel like they had to change the image of the league and that's where that came from but that that speaks once again to like people uh, there being a disconnect between audience the people that are actually creating the product and the people that are financing the product i I would i would still push back on that uh stephen jackson who was in it was in that brawl did say that he felt like it was pushback from being quote to hip-hop and at the time Allen Iverson as well as Carmelo um, Anthony was cited for the 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 dress code change Paul Pierce I know most people on this planet don't respect him but he said <laughs> they I did I did though for like two years two and a half years because he was on the Brooklyn Nets but he said they don't want your chains to be out all gaudy and shiny but that's the point of them I love wearing my jewelry, but I love my job. I love playing basketball more than I love getting fined and getting suspended. I, th- I think it was a confluence of a lot of things with this one, specific, with this thing. Um, I think them saying it's too hip hop was also like dog whistle for the league seeming to be too black and not portraying the image that they wanted it to have. And you also got to keep in mind too that. The league at the time was going through a lot of different issues between the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So the 70s, when the merger happened with the ABA, they were in direct competition with the ABA, and um, their games were still getting played on, their finals games were still getting played on, like, tape delay. NCAA college games were being put on live. Just keep that in mind. The league almost went broke at the time, too. 80s, there was a huge cocaine problem in the league, and once again, the, what propped that league up in the 80s was the rivalry between the Lakers and the Celtics, and what helped that was because there was Larry Bird. Now, Larry Bird is a good player in his own right, but we can't front. That team was ostensibly Caucasian from a town that is super divided racially, and so like you could have this dynamic going back and forth, unspoken or spoken, because there were also articles being written about whether or not the NBA was too black at the time for pe- for mass consumption. But they got through the 80s and they had to cr- they had to crack down on drugs that were happening in the league and they also had to like and they but they also had magic and bird to help prop up uh so prop up interest in the league 90s hit what do we get we get michael jordan possibly the greatest basketball player to ever play and don't ever forget too that the bridge between the 80s and the 90s was the bad boy pistons which people hated and they were villain love to hate love yeah. to hate and they were Isaiah Thomas was the focal point of that but then we get Michael Jordan in the 90s that shows sheer dominance over everyone like so much so that like people forget in the 90s it basically went it basically went Bulls Hakeem Olajuwon who might be the third or fifth best center of all time um the one two and then the Bulls won the other three like that decade was dominated by Michael Jordan, whether it be him being on a court or his absence, and whether or not you know his gambling debts caused the death of his father. But we're not going to speculate on that. Um, but in, after Jordan left, we're getting the 2000s, and every, it's kind of like post shiny suit area. But this is when we're getting Stephon Marbury from Coney Island. This is when we're getting Allen Iverson. 
This is part of that uh, super famous draft class from 96. And this is when they come into their own. This is Kobe, right? This is like Afro number eight Kobe in the 2000s, you know? So this is a whole nother swag that people aren't used to. So when something like the Malice in the Palace happens and, it, and we don't have the super bankable star to make all this other stuff go away, what does David Stern do? It's like, yo, we don't want to lose advertisers. We don't want to scare all these people. And what scares people like big black men that are wearing jewelry that I associate with being thuggish because I only I have a fucked up understanding of what hip hop is. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, it was there was there was a lot of like I don't know if it's dog whistling, but it was a lot of like we need to clean this league up and make it presentable for people in a way that in the, in the way that like I don't know if it's gonna talk about it at the time, but now people would be like, this is you you you're doing this specifically so it can be consumed for people that aren't ur- that aren't quote unquote urban, you know. So the NBA seems to have the most storied relationship with hip-hop but do you think that they have benefited from that relationship do you think that this relationship has helped put them in competition with the nfl the nfl was always america's uh league for a very long time and i think well it seems that even with david stern having this contentious relationship with hip-hop the NBA's popularity has again grown also with uh, rap's popularity. Um, so a co- uh, there are a couple things, right? So what, there are four major sports in, in the United States, right? Baseball, hockey, basketball, and football. So hockey does not really have an associate with hip-hop at all because the majority of players are either not from this country or like Caucasian, and they those don't tend to overlap. Bro. Baseball, baseball's uh, main demographic is aging out right now, and while they're doing well regionally, uh, nationally, it feels like their presence is declining, and the game just is not adapting to today's time, and it does not hold people's interest, can't really gamble on it, and the games are too long and too slow. Baseball's racialized um, history is more well-known than every other sport, even though there are other people that that had to break color barriers in the NFL and in the NBA, I bet you don't know their names. Whereas in baseball, we all know who Jackie Robinson is. We all know what he did. And there's been movies about that dude, you know? So there's always been some weird, not weird, but there's also been like racialized lines and racial tension within baseball. We literally had to have our own baseball league before we could be integrated. People had to pretend to be Dominican in order to play baseball because they weren't allowed blacks in that. So there's. I, I will say that uh-huh. a, a great portion of the the Major League Baseball is from DR, DR Puerto Rico, and Japan. Not to say that they have any relationship with hip hop, but you are you are seeing a lot of that diversity well, uh, from other countries. Well, yeah. Well, here's the, there are a couple things. The demographic that baseball mostly plays to just doesn't care about hip hop. So. They're associated with it. Their association with it is kind of weird. Even when the White Sox made Chance the Rapper an ambassador, one of their beat writers came out strongly against Chance and labeled him a gangster rapper. So this is a, this is a thing that happened recently. Yeah, that's Someone crazy called racist me. shit. Is there a different Chance the Rapper? <laughs> no. He was cited. He was cited. He was... <laughs> the, uh, the, the son of an Obama aide? Yeah, I can see he's a gangster rapper. Yo, Chance the... 
The lyrics that this man quoted were lyrics that Chance was quoting from Dilla. <laughs> like, that's how backwards my man got it. Um, I was going to look up his name, but I'm not going to give him. No, 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 no country. All right. But anyway, so here's the thing with football and basketball. Football recently has come under fire for several things. Well, one of the biggest things is, concru- is the concussions that happen in, in football. And because of that, less kids are going to end up playing football that don't have to play football. And so right now, the NFL is doing damage control. Add to all the concussion stuff that was happening. Then you get the the uh, then you get the Colin Kaepernick thing that was happening, right? So now you're getting it. Not only do you have concerned mothers and concerned fathers not wanting their children to play football at an early age, and thus like leaning a child's interest to other sports, which would then in turn make like new generations that aren't as interested in football. You're now getting a bunch of people that uh, that are standing on both sides of a polarizing topic. Some people now are angry at the players for wanting to have a stand and wanting to talk about social issues. And you have other people that are like trying to support the players in their social issues and then want to boycott that way. So they had a boycott coming from two different angles. And they were dealing with that for three to four years since Colin Kaepernick first took a knee. And they just now settled that case. So with all the controversies surrounding the NFL, couple that with an NFL, the in-game experience, like if you're there, one, people are getting priced out. Two, being there isn't as fun as being at home and watching football. And like right now, what drives the interest in football is the gambling aspect of it because you can gamble on everything. Fantasy football because there's a lot of money in fantasy football. And so it's interesting. It's interesting to see where the NFL is going to be in a couple years. So all of this, what I'm saying, these three leagues, everything that's happened with them, the turmoil with them and history of these three leagues have brought the NBA to a place right now where there is an open space for something new to come in, right? And so the NBA has been super healthy, one with its athletes, because athletes now don't really, you're not hearing about them constantly beating women, unlike NFL football. You're not worrying about them having concussions, so kids are still playing basketball. You can gamble on it, which is cool. Um, Which sorry, which also helps interest. Fantasy teams are going well, which helps interest. And all of this, their stars, even if they are surly, sorry, surly, they aren't getting as rest. They aren't getting arrested as much as football players are. People in other leagues, you know what their faces look like because every other league, I'm sorry, in hockey and in football, everybody's wearing a helmet. You don't see their faces clearly. And you see all these guys' faces. They're their own megastars. They're the most recognizable athletes from the United States and the most recognizable athletes around the world other than soccer players. So the NF- the NBA is in a place where no other league is in right now. And when you couple with that, the relationship that the owners have and the and that the commissioner has with the players is much different. Um, the new commissioner, Adam Silver, has seemed to be in lockstep with the players on a lot of different issues. They got rid of Donald Sterling, which was shown to be a racist bigot that was owning a basketball team. Got him out of here. Um, when the athletes who are going to talk about social causes, the NBA supports them, even if it's not uh, even if it's not to the degree that other people want them to, they still allow them space to talk. They do not punish them for talking. They do not blackball them and refuse people jobs because they're talking about social issues. So all of this has primed the NBA to be in a place where they could take over um, and challenge as the number one sport in America. Now, football ratings still destroys the NBA ratings, but there's so many more basketball games happening right now than there are football games. 
and football has the added uh, has the added luxury of being like we're dominating Sundays. We're dominating Sundays for four months, for like four to five months. So it's just like we get this day. You can't you can't fuck with us. This is what we do. We built this institution, this institution over decades. Whereas NBA, it's like every other day you can watch your team play. There's the fact that more and more teams have their own in-house DJs that play hip hop during a game. We can talk about the fact that uh, they've always incorporated their their celebrity games with hip hop stars. Shout out to Quavo for winning MVP the year before uh, last year. Yeah, hey, you can man. Shout out to Two Chains, rapper rapper Go To Lee, just came out. Um, and people have always just identified with uh, basketball players. Think about the song he got game by Public Enemy. Like it was starred an NBA basketball player, and that song was like a hit for Public Enemy in the '90s, dog. Like. There's always been this hand-in-hand relationship, even with the video games. When you look at the 2K series, half of the marketing is always the soundtrack now and who's producing it, whether it's Travis Scott or it's Pharrell. Like, yeah, exactly. And you go into the ownership, and that's a big thing. It's really hard to be an NFL owner. It's really hard to be a new NFL owner. All these dudes are, like, old and have oil money. When it comes to basketball, there have been a lot of new ownership groups, and people can buy minority stakes in it. So that's why you see Usher, Usher own part of the Bobcats. Uh, that's how you see Jay-Z own a part of the Brooklyn Nets before he sold his stake to then start Rock Nation. Um, and you can you can see that, too. Like, he's going to be an agent. He's an agent for various players across multiple sports. And that's, like, a synergy that we haven't really seen before or we've seen successfully before. Master P, RIP Ricky Williams rookie contract um, who Master P completely fucked up and cost that man so much money I want to uh, when you were talking about um, NBA teams that have in-house DJs I want to shout out because I can do this um, shout out DJ Junk the Brooklyn Nets in-house DJ also of the Elite Camp where I'm very good friends with uh, many of the DJs in that camp and is also Filipina. Sure. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was like, I know it's going somewhere, and I bet you it's Filipina. <laughs> yes. Um, so Filipinos are everywhere in hip hop. Yes, they are. <clears throat> yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about like athletes that have basically um, got involved with rap. Obviously. Athletes are millionaires, and they can invest not not in the business of rap. So um, they have a lot of money, and they can invest in a myriad of different businesses. And many of them have decided to start labels um, or just have some other business with um, within hip hop. Is that LeBron? LeBron did something. Like yes. That, right? the, the most, I think you would say the most notable Would currently be? would be A&R LeBron. A&R yeah. and hip hop historian. AKA, thank you. Hip hop historian. Yes. You have to, <laughs> you have to respect all the titles. He's got a lot of titles. He has a, a well-documented relationship with, with Hove, uh, Drake. Um, and I think most interesting now is 2 Chains. Because he did allegedly in our two changes, two changes latest uh, release rapper go to the league. Earlier mentioned Stephen Jackson, Secret Society Entertainment, Carmelo, 
with Crossover Entertainment, Chris Weber with Humility Records, which is telling, Ron Artest, or no, excuse me, Meta World Peace with his Artest Media Group and True Warrior, and Roy Jones Jr. with Bodyhead Entertainment, as well as Rashid Wallace. Sheed! Nobody's gonna uh, join me with that. Is that the label name? Uh, no, Rashid. The Fall Bright. The Fall Bright Conservatory. Uh, I don't know yes. what this all means. Yo, that man was out there. What is that a there. reference to? Yeah, I don't understand. What? The Fallbright Conservatory? That's, his, that's the name of his label. Oh. Yes. Okay. Look, that man went out there with Uptowns on. He can do no wrong. He can do no wrong. Uptowns. He can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. High tops? Yes. Yeah. He had uh, he had the strap. Mm. Straps on him. Even um, the NBA's favorite crackhead, Lamar Odom. Whoa. Rich no. Soul Entertainment. We're not going to do that. We're not going to slander. We're not going to do that. It's not, it's not slander. Those are facts. <laughs> I mean, is he the favorite crackhead? What name a name a more popular crackhead? I strawberry. Oh yeah, Daryl Strawberry. That's baseball. That's true. I, I don't know what the game was like in the '80s, so I can't call it. Isaiah Ryder. First off, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this. Yo. yo, Lamar Odom almost died. <laughs> Actually, he did. Die. He didn't die. From <laughs> yeah, he came back. He came back. Cause yeah. that's what crackheads do. Yeah, you can't kill a crackhead. Oh, crackheads never die from like crack. Too spicy for me. They, they never die from crack. They're that's immortal. True. It's probably when they're sober that they they're most at risk of death. Yeah, probably. You definitely can't punch a crackhead. No. They just keep coming back. I'm sorry. I gotta. Go. Usually I'm here for the slander for some reason. I just wasn't here for like crackhead slander today. That's a bridge too far for you? That's weird. That's weird. I can talk about Drake like neglecting his child all day and then getting a tattoo of him to try to make it better. But like for some reason Lamar, Lamar Odom being a crackhead is a problem. To me. I bet you when he when he when he had that incident, he wasn't smoking crack. I bet you it was something. He else. wasn't it was like it was like synthetic something. It was, it was it was like See? it's when you start messing with like the synthetic should have smoked crack shouts to k2 yeah i was gonna say the k2 we do not oh yeah condone, we don't endorse drugs. you do not condone no. we, we i i will say lion goodman uh endorses harm reduction so you do mean? the best that you can to um avoid or alleviate the harm that illicit drugs can do to your body. So drink water. Yeah. Make sure you're using clean needles. If you're a sex worker, making sure you have um, condoms. condoms available. Harm reduction. Oh, right. It's it's all encompassing. Oh. And yeah. crack over K2. Crack yes. over K2. Oh <laughs> This is the stance we're going with. No, not PCP <laughs> over K2. I should have stayed home. Okay, so that so um we're not we're gonna get into athletes that rap next episode but has there been some kind of tangible result from these athletes that have decided to invest in the music industry i swore that Shaq um signed fushnikens and lord Tariq and peter guns to twism uh records but i can't find it i'm looking for the proof behind it but i can't find it but i thoroughly remember lord Tariq and peter guns doing songs with Shaq and being like Twism family. He, he does indeed. He is um, the way it's going down. That's all. That's all I'm saying, dog. 
I mean, the Ron Artest thing was was not good, especially that was he was promoting rap albums after the Malice in the Palace, like the next day. So that's just that just wasn't a good look. That's the best. That's the best t- yeah, you get right in the booth. Get oh, that, Chris Webber also out. produced a song for Nas. I know. Let's change directions and talk about rappers that are involved in the business of sports. And I think the two most notable ones are recent as well. Hove and Drake. Hove was a minority owner of the Brooklyn Nets. Some would just say he was a glorified mascot. But he did put up six figures to own a piece of the Nets. And uh, Ooh, six figures. You got six figures to throw at a team? Exactly. Hope could have put up more. But it also it's what is allowed. So they are selling percentages. And Hove was essentially a part of a group that bought like two to five percent, and that was Hove's piece in that group mm. when you break down the numbers okay number one people always like to talk trash about jay-z owning the nets jay-z owned a bigger part of the nets than y'all do number one exactly i didn't say so shit just, i wasn't so, so i was the one copping the plea for him yeah i'm just saying number one and number two you can't tell me that he did not have any uh that he had no input on the creative direction of it like that whole that whole thing if all he got out of it was just the connections to start being an agent, then it was well worth the investment. Because I promise you, when he sold his shares back, that he made more money because the team was worth more after the fact. So I don't if, disagree with you. Do we also thank him for getting everyone that lived in the area at the time out of there? He wasn't part of that deal, Doug. <laughs> oh, oh, now he wasn't part. Okay, my he, bad. He bought into the team. Your man... Your man, um, it Bruce was Ratner. Ratner. Yeah. Ratner was the fuckboy that displaced all those people. Because he was. Rat- in- Ratner started this process back yeah. in like 2003, 2004. Oh, yeah. The Atlantic Yards Project. Yes. Eminent domain. My yeah. grandmother lost her gym because the landlord of her. Uh, of the, their owners was like, get out. And you can still see the logo. I, right yeah, I, was, there. I know exactly what you're talking Boot about. Camp. Yes. Oh, they they just kicked them wild. out and it's just a it's just empty still, space. It's just been still there, there for like it's been empty for like thirteen years. As you said, he did. Uh, he was the owner of the. He was a minority owner of the Brooklyn Nets because he founded Rock Nation Sports. Uh, his clients include Victor Cruz, which is no longer in the, in the league. Saquon Barkley, Des Bryant. Um, Jalen Rose, Scott Diggins, CC Sabathia, uh, which and uh, one of the more notorious signings, Robinson Cano. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just how it works. That's regular, that's regular schmegular degular in the words of the Queen of the Bronx, um, Cardi B business. You know, I think the best part about that is uh, when you sign with Rock Nation, the idea of being across multiple platforms and them helping you go beyond just sport if you look at kevin durant um he has a team that helped expand that helped expand his brand just beyond sports and he has a youtube channel that's thriving um he's promoting other business ventures and i think that's what rock nation that's the option that rock nation can give people that other agencies cannot another notable one is andre ward uh undefeated boxer in the light heavyweight division and he uh, he leveraged his relationships. Andre Ward was in Creed, both one and two. 
he beat up Michael B. Jordan in the first one and got beat up by Michael B. Jordan in the second one. And that's still a check, man. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's only on on uh, on camera. <laughs> he, he's undefeated in the league. Uh, the other one is Drake, who I think has a more hands-on relationship. You know, with an NBA team, he's the ambassador for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and he just opened up their OVO practice facility. There's no one you can do that. You can put your name on everything. And Drake, if anybody is a glorified mascot, that's what Drake felt like for the longest time. A man is out here, like, everybody's championship, making them lose whatever team he roots for. But the way he's finessed um, being a spokesperson for the Toronto Raptors and helping them, helping them whether it's like sign players or just adding to the swag, of the team, like it's a measure, it's a measurable on and off the court. That's what I would say. It's a very good partnership for both people. And the last thing that Drake has actually worked on, which I want to discuss in a little bit more detail, is that he was the host of the ESPYS, and kind of want to segue into the into ESPN's relationship with hip hop. But wait, I want to shout out one more athlete. Um, sorry, one more musician working with uh, the NBA, and that's Killer Mike. Who has a barbershop inside the Atlanta Hawks arena? Did not know that. Yep. Yeah. Killer Mike out here, out here trying to franchise the swag shop. That's dope. He. That's what. This gotta be what his second or third. Nah, he has. He has, I believe, three in the Atlanta proper. His fourth shop. Yeah. He's. Yeah. Yes. He's. 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 He's a monster at this. Okay. So talking about Drake, he was the host of the ESPYS, which was ESPN's. Uh, award show for uh, the whole gamut of uh, sports and I think that ESPN is probably the most invested in hip-hop of any company the the most obvious one was um, with ESPN's first take so many rappers uh, debated Skip Bayless when he was on ESPN to name a few well, to name them, 50 Cent, 2 Chains, Wale, Bun B, T.I., Nelly, and of course... Joe uh, Button! Him, and also Lil Wayne, who was probably the most knowledgeable. Button might have had a beat. Button was excellent on first date. Really was. Took it very seriously. Wore suit several times. Like Lil Wayne has had... I think he's had the most appearances. He is he's renowned for his his knowledge of sports uh, as a rapper. Do you think that hip hop has kind of influenced ESPN, and that you know they use so much music in their in their cuts in their in their shows? There you saw that there was a bit of a progressive streak I mean, there. ESPN just sorry, ESPN just plays to the demographic, and the demographic tends to be like that. I demographic that male was 16 to 33 um and so they're just whatever's popping that's kind of what they try to associate themselves with like you could tell from just having like like bad bunny in the in the all-star game that was aired on espn and then you have people like peter rosenberg doing like sideline hits and stuff like that uh they they get as close to the third row as as they can with a lot of things. Like for a minute, ESPN was catching flack because it seemed like they were too left wing. Like when you saw 
Jamel Hill, Michael Smith, when they had like the primetime sports center and they tried to like rebrand it. They tend to have diverse casts when they do the when they do shows, when they do hits, like a good mix of people that are former athletes, women, people of different races. I think ESPN just tries to find whatever's hot and try to integrate it in their programming. And they were doing that heavy with hip hop for a while. Um, but they just they just go with the flow. Like right now they've kinda like put the brakes on that and they're trying to even it out more so they have some more I would say conservative leaning uh hosts now to kinda balance out the more like liberal. Thank you. Liberal <laughs> liberal hosts on the other end. Any final thoughts? What we can't do is we can't think about the progressive ideas of the WWF slash WWE and their rap album, um, WWF Aggression, that came out in 2000. So that they were trying to integrate with hip hop at one point. It's actually an interesting album if you want to hear more about it. I did a podcast with Rob Champion about it. Guys <laughs> can't on the Cooler Than Echo podcast. So check it out. <laughs> So, you gonna let him promote the competition like this? When you at the top, everybody else trying to catch up. It's mm. <laughs> all love. Mm. But we definitely want to hear what your opinion is on this topic. Is hip hop's relationship with with uh, sports good for both, bad for both, a distraction or an investment? Did we miss some notable? Uh, Athlete rappers or rapper athletes. We didn't even talk about John Cena's platinum rap album. Again, that is different music. Different form of entertainment. That's next week. That's next week. But we definitely want to hear your opinion. Uh, hit us up at on Twitter and Instagram at HKL Podcast, or let us know what you think on Facebook at Hard Not Life Podcast. And so we know y'all gotta live this Hard Not Life. But we hope y'all make it look easy and ball hard. Until next time. Peace.